Welcome to Season 2 of the Filament Games Podcast, a show dedicated to game-based learning. Here are your hosts, Brandon Pitzer and Dan Norton. I'm Brandon Pitzer, Marketing Director here at Filament Games. I'm here with that guy over there. Yeah. I want to point at him. My name's Dan Norton. For your reference, there he is. I'm yeah. pointing. Every single day, I'm Dan Norton. Oh, you're consistent. That's the best way to sum it up, really. And then a special guest today, Alexander P. Cooney, Art Director. Hello. Is that accurate? Was that, is it P? It's S. All right. Oh. It, it's, uh, <laughs> it's a Scottish middle name. Is it Scotland? Alexander Close. Scotland Cooney. <laughs> that's that's my first. That was the first guess. It's <laughs> it's actually uh, Scott. It's S T R A C H A N, and I spell it out because I actually don't know how to pronounce it. What? And neither do any of my my grandparents. Oh, Wait, well, some of, them, some of them say it's Strachen, Strachen, and some of them say it's Strawn. Strawn. Okay. So. so it's not that no one's ever said it. It's yeah. not like... They do, but they say it tentatively. <laughs> okay. it's, it's just a name that you <laughs> say tentatively. <laughs> they kind of switch like, between hey, the pronunciations. Yeah. Do you have a preference? Strawn. Strawn? Okay. I'm a simple guy, so I go with Strawn. All right. So, Strawn. Strawn. That's a thing. Strawn's in the house. So I have a... Number one, the burning question in my mind that Kat has reminded me in, in bold, all caps, letters that I need to say. <laughs> what do you guys play in video oh, game-wise? Yeah. Strom, why don't you go first? Yeah. Uh, let's see. I just got back into a game called Seven Days to Die, mm. which is uh, sort of like Minecraft, but um, with zombies and uh, a little more horrifying. Mm. Um, so there's a lot of uh, playing online with your friends and trying to survive long enough to even find each other so that you can start trying to survive together. I now, what is the significance of the seven days? It's seven days because the whole game is... Uh, it operates on this rhythm where after seven days in-game, this gigantic zombie horde comes to kill you and all of your friends. So you have you have seven days to craft materials and um, generally prepare for the onslaught. Hmm. It's really fun. All right. Yeah. Now, I think I played that a long time ago with Matt Hazleton. Um, He's still the ringleader. Yeah. I believe, if I recall correctly, I think he boarded himself out <laughs> Of the house we were setting up for defense. I think he was like, ah, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> Done. No one's getting in. <laughs> one, of, one of my favorite features is, uh, well, one, I guess another one of my favorite features is growing potatoes inside of the house. But my other favorite one. Because <laughs> it, it matches your real life passion right, and hobby. Exactly. Yeah, I think exactly. that's on the front of the box. Yeah. <laughs> Grow potatoes in, in real potatoes. time. Uh, <laughs> no, but the other great one is... Uh, people accidentally falling off of the roof and having very realistic uh, consequences for that. So you actually break your leg and then you have to create a splint out of plant fibers oh, my and goodness. wood. Oh, man. And, uh, and if there's a horde coming and they're down there, you won't let them back in because 
because they're weak. Yeah, right. And natural selection has yep. to kick in at some point. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Well, that's, that's a lot of fun. That's dark. How about you? Are you Winstoning still? Still, still watching some overs. Yeah. Uh, last night, fired up the old Warcraft. You did what? I know. I bought I bought Legion, the up, upcoming expansion, and right. I wanted to check out my new Fell Hunter mount because you know, I mean, come on. <laughs> Yeah, gotta log in and see that model move around. Right, that means so uh, with my warlock, that means I can be riding a fell hunter and then have a pet fell hunter and then have a little teeny baby pet fell hunter. I can have a like a Russian nesting dolls of demons. So it doesn't get much better than that. I got the demon that's my vehicle, the right. demon that's my friend, yeah, <laughs> and the demon that's my pet. Yeah, it's uh, and they all match. It's matchy right. matchy. It's good stuff. Well, that's lovely. Yeah. They'll be rolling out their new transmog system soon, too, before the, the expansion. I'm excited about that. I'm sure I'll be excited about that, too, when I go read about yeah. it in greater detail. Yeah. <laughs> Incredibly advanced pants options are coming your way, Brandon. Get ready. Uh, imagine the pants possibilities. Yep. Yeah. Pants abilities. Uh, I wasn't going to say it. Yeah, all right. I was, that's right. And you were not going to say I it. I wasn't going to say it. <laughs> I'm trying to be better about that sort of thing. Yeah. We've talked about this before. <laughs> I'm I'm terribly sorry, <laughs> filament listeners. I, I'm, we're all uh, better than that. Yes. All, <laughs> all of us. Um, so I, uh, I downloaded Pokemon Go. Oh, sure. And I have yet to boot it up. That's, all right. That's what I've been playing. I downloaded yeah. it. It's on my phone now. Yeah, I played it for about two minutes. And then I uninstalled it. Whoa. Yeah. I I totally understand the allure. I walked around with some coworkers yesterday who were poke-going super hard, mm-hmm. and I'm happy for them, but <laughs> it gave me Ingress flashbacks. Uh, <laughs> and I, it has the exact same waypoints as mm. Ingress. So I like looked right. at the map of my neighborhood, and I was like, those places again. <laughs> That's interesting. It, so it's like for for someone who played Ingress, mm-hmm. it's kind of a rehash in some ways, huh? I think so. And uh, I just think we'll see. Everyone is so excited about the premise right now that, mm-hmm. but every other sentence people say is complaining about servers interface. Yeah. I mean, the game is not currently functional. It is barely holding together. Uh, so, yeah, you know, it's interesting to me. I like Nintendo has a, a history of rolling out ambitious online features that kind of crash and burn. I remember um, on the Wii, uh, Smash Brothers Brawl had like online matchups that you could do. And I don't know if you guys ever tried that or not, but the lag was I mean horrendous. Mm. You would you would be like under twenty frames a second. Oh my goodness. And in a game like Smash Brothers right. like unacceptable. The, yeah, it makes it utterly pointless. So I the, it's tr- like I don't know. Traditionally Nintendo has always struggled with online stuff. And mm-hmm. I, I feel like part of it is just their extreme caution mm-hmm. about like, you know, just opening that that realm up because you know it's like it, even explicitly in the ESRB rating system like when things go online the ESRB washes its hands they're like forget it <laughs> <laughs> they're just like uh, experiences in the online portion of this game may differ from anything we've identified <laughs> yes <laughs> and may be more horrible than you can possibly imagine right <laughs> um, so yeah it's it, I, I can understand their hesitance because of their family focus mm-hmm. like that's their whole identity but um, but yeah it's always been a little rocky with Nintendo going online. Um, but I think 
that's enough video game talk for today. I think, yeah. I think we're just done. We're bored about video games. Yeah. <laughs> I'm tired of games. Yeah. <laughs> you know what else I'm bored? I'm, bi- I'm tired with learning. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I'm tired and podcasting. Yeah, and podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to actually talk to uh, talk to Alexander Cooney about a few things about what he does and why he does them. Mm-hmm. So, um, <laughs> just, just is this actually an intervention? Yeah, well, I'm going to use this information against him down the line. Oh, okay. in my you know in my director level politicking around here. All right, fair enough. So, um, so uh, Cooney, tell us a little bit about what you do. What do you do here? So, I'm the art director at Filament Games. Um, so I, uh, I manage our art team, uh, specifically the game development art team, uh, to make sure that the, uh, the work that we are doing for our clients and our internal work is, um, hitting the aesthetic quality that people expect from us and have come to, um, come to love about our brand and the games we make. Sure. All right, so you hold the the line aesthetically, yes, indeed. Mm-hmm. Sweet, and so to get to that path, that there, that that lo- that place in your career, what what kind of path did you take, um, kind of from schooling all the way here? Um, because I know that there's a lot of people that listen to our stuff, read our stuff, that want to know how to get into a game studio and and do that professionally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my my path was pretty circuitous. Uh, Good word. I uh, yeah yeah I was yeah. I got excited about that before it came out of my mouth. I knew, that. <laughs> I knew you'd appreciate that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's a that's a keeper. Yeah, um, uh. yeah. I started uh, I started out actually really interested in film direction. Um, that was uh, that was kind of my focus in uh, kind of like later half of high school and college. Um, I loved the the act of kind of making things out of nothing in the real world mm-hmm. um and uh somewhere along the line though i got frustrated with the real world and how hard it is to make lots of things out there <laughs> and uh i was seduced by the control that you have when you are collaborating more with a video game cuz you have mm-hmm. a lot of uh you can kind of create your own uh way of working and your own rules, and uh, so yeah, I, I kind of got into that through through working on um, visual effects on my own films mm-hmm. in college, which gave me some of the the three D skills that I still use today, because uh, since that is my focus, and um, yeah, and I, I after college I tried making a game with a friend, uh, that didn't work out, but I learned they are now dead. <laughs> they are not dead. <laughs> we had. Uh, Cody will never explain why. No, creative yeah. differences. <laughs> and I had to murder him. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, but uh, yeah, that taught me the skills that I sort of uh, now learn or now leverage. Leverage. Yeah. Yes. And uh, found my way to, to filament and sort of. Um, you know, it's interesting. Like. A lot of, uh, I think a lot of the skills I used to practice directing movies mm. are now coming back to help me now um, mm. as an art director. 
because uh, you know it's a lot of just sort of figuring out what people are um, you know what 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 people what problems people are running into and trying to make them feel comfortable about yep. how to solve them it's a lot of the job that's a lot of fun all right. So yeah, there's some there's wide applicability for direction mm-hmm. <laughs> abilities uh, or skills, I should say. Um, so why learning games? Um, I think uh, I'm I'm sort of always suspicious of uh, commercial games for their sort of underlying need to extract capital from you, mm. um, and that's sort of the be all end all of it. And uh, I, I appreciate the the power that games have to kind of tap really deep into these parts of your brain that you can kind of exploit. And so <laughs> to me, it, it's always seemed like it would be nice if you could find a way to use that power for good and try to, like, sure. you know, uh, improve people's lives with that, um, yeah, with that power. Fair enough. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I share that. I mean, you know, it, from from marketing, there's a million things I could be marketing that I would mm-hmm. feel, like, way less good about. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, marketing, learning games, that's that's an easy pill to swallow. Yep. And film its upcoming brand, uh, line of vaping products. <laughs> <laughs> you can feel really good about. <laughs> I, I don't even know what to say about that. <laughs> vaping products. Real games. Real sick clouds. <laughs> oh, the plumes. Mm-hmm. Um, any misconceptions that you've seen out in the in the world about what it is to be a video game artist? Anything you'd like to touch on there? Maybe obliterate some falsehoods. Yeah. Mm. Well, I, I I think the biggest one, which which you might hear a lot, but is is really the the biggest thing is that uh, video game developers don't spend all day playing games it's very uh technical um often frustrating process of trying to match aesthetics with technical constraints and um it takes a lot of patience uh and um yeah i think it's just the misconception is that it it looks easier than it is Mm. there's just a lot of work and a lot of time that goes into it yeah the the grind is mm-hmm. not something that you might anticipate, but it is very much a grind. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> so let's talk about a little bit about uh, what inspires you as a video game art director, thinking about like what's out in the marketplace right now. What would you hold up as an exemplar of game art or aesthetic quality? Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I'm a fan of... Uh, no Man's Sky's art style. Oh, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think they, they really nailed that um, sort of fantastic colors coming together in a simple way. They I think just, They just wrapped, didn't they? Yeah. yeah. They, they hit gold. Yeah. Oh, it's on its way. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, I don't know if this is something you... It interests me how color palettes enter and exit fashionability. Mm-hmm. Like No Man's Sky is like a hot color scheme. Right. Yeah, right. It's, it's like the '80s have come back. Yeah, to, yeah. And yeah. Like I've been listening to a lot of like outrun music, so I've like. <laughs> yeah. You may notice there's more neon on my shoes these days yeah. than maybe in the past, but like, it's just interesting to me how like colors as groups re-enter the consciousness and like get revitalized. Yeah. Like, and No Man's Sky is totally like this. Yeah, it's like this palette. You're like, yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this is it. 
Yeah. I want to live in a world those colors. Right, yeah. Because yeah. it's kind of come from, uh, I think, and then for a while, I think before this, there's a lot of more muted tones everywhere. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And now it's sort of come back. So, yeah, who knows? Maybe maybe crazy primary color, bright primary colors will be back next. Hmm. I don't know. Hmm. We'll see. Color trends yeah. with Alexander Cooney. <laughs> yeah, I think, I mean, certainly, <laughs> certainly... There's, there was a long period of time in which games were going, realism was the thing. So, you mm-hmm. know, exploring how many muddy browns you can have at once. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Look at how many browns we have. It's like every brown. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, you know, it, it's nice to have, I've always felt like games, yeah, games should sort of roughly pay attention to reality as like a point of reference. But right. Games can be better than reality right. in a lot of ways. So it seems like. It's just nice to see colors like that come out and and form the whole experience. Yeah, That's, well, and and I think it's a it's another really cool thing too with uh, um, all the mobile game development that's been going on because it's sort of forced a lot of simplification of art styles in a way. Because like you said, mm-hmm. there's a lot of focus on photorealism and everything, but now that uh, now that phones and tablets are huge, I mean the the hardware is always getting faster, but um, a lot of the the art needs to be very simple and mm-hmm. uh, kind of just aesthetically plain in many ways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's sort of forced forced game developers to think up, to kind of reach back into the past and look at um, kind of flatter uh, styles throughout mm-hmm. art history to sort of leverage that into something that'll look look cool today. Yeah, I'd... I'm going to go out on a limb and say that games are aesthetically in a stage of postmodernism. What? What? (laughs) (laughs) All these different styles kind of being assembled together. I mean, that's one of the the benchmarks of postmodernism is is taking genres and smashing them together. I see. Um, So I think that you're definitely seeing that where, you know, and it's driven by hardware constraints, Mm -hmm. certainly, but... Um, yeah, you have mix. You have a mix of like high fidelity and like intentionally like low fidelity eight bit. Mm-hmm. But maybe that eight bit game is like the most gorgeous like um, pixeled experience. Like all the particle effects just flying everywhere. Like I know when I played Monaco, I had that experience. Mm, like yeah. the shading and the just the explosive constant particle effects you're getting in that game. <laughs> Um, so it's it's kind of marrying like a future facing aesthetic, which is very glamorous, and then bringing that back to kind of a basic like fundamental mm-hmm. of video games. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's a uh, yeah. It's a nice tug. I think a, a lot. I think especially with the eight bit component, there's a nostalgia where you have a sense of what a pure game is in your head, and right. And a pure game for a lot of gamers of a certain age is something where you can count the pixels if you want. But then to have layered on top of that, you know, all the effects and buttery smooth animation. Right. It it does a nice job of like meeting your nostalgic expectations, but then not disappointing you with the reality of of what a game from back then actually looked like. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I think and I think 10 years from now that can be our next podcast is gamers of a certain age. Gamers of a certain age. <laughs> <laughs> uh.
as, as we drift further and yeah. further into agedness yeah. and irrelevance. Um, so. I, don't, I don't know if these skull implants really are all that much better, to be perfectly honest. Uh, all right. Um, so finally, what advice do you have? Um, this is just on the kind of professional, like aspirational side of things. Um, what, what advice do you have for people who would like to to become you, not you mm. specifically, but no specifically. Yeah, I mean, you. or or kill yes. you and take your spot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We've discussed that Norton has to die if anyone else is going to be yeah the CCO. It's filming new policy. Yeah, it's, it's, exactly. Yeah, it's yeah. like it's like Highlander. It Highlander is. rules. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Circle of life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I would say uh, the most important thing is to uh, f- get become very proficient at learning on your own uh, because every month the technology changes and <laughs> the whole the whole world changes in this industry and um, you have to be ready for it and you have to know how to how to stay up to date, how to keep your skills up to date. Um, and just to really just work on your own stuff. Uh, find yeah. out how to stay self-motivated. And um, if that if that's too painful or is something you don't enjoy doing, then you should just probably go into something altogether different yep. because uh, it's probably not for you. So, yeah. Go for it all the way, and if it if you don't like it, then stop and try something else. Yeah. All right. And secondarily, if you're going to take a shot at the king. <laughs> yeah, don't miss. Don't miss. <laughs> Be prepared for me. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit more broadly about just art in video games generally. Ah, yes. Um, because that's what you do. <laughs> um, what are some of the creative problems that you find yourself up against when you're designing game art? Mm. I'm sure this, you know, some of this is like what we've talked about already in terms of hardware constraints, but I'm sure there's more than that. Yeah. there. Well, there's also the constraint of um, in our work for higher work, uh, there's a consideration of who are we making this game for, and that's always hard because a lot of times you you may have your own sensibilities as an artist, mm-hmm. um, and something that looks good to you in your particular demographic uh, won't work well at all for whoever the client is trying to make the game for. Right. Um, so you have to be you have to learn to really be sensitive to that and to to find a way to put yourself into the shoes of that demographic Um, which for me I think is usually just uh, trying to immerse myself with all of the other things that that demographic is really interested in Mm -hmm. Um, and then and I find that I'm somebody who like I can listen to any song in, if, if I listen to any song enough times, I will start to like it. It's really weird. That's oh. sort of my thing. So All right. a, a sort of a similar thing happens That's good when... To know. Yeah, I know. The mind's turning. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> like anytime I want the art team to do something, I just need to tell Cooney to do it repeatedly right. yeah. Yeah. over like several weeks. Oh, see, I was just thinking about what <laughs> awful songs I could get Cooney well, to... Well, yeah. like... like uh, Cue Smash Mouth. Like Evan yeah. Rickrolled. Oh. <laughs> yep. Josh, can you get the Smash Mouth in? <laughs> yeah. Get it? No? That's not... That's just not a button on How the board. How is that not just ready to go? 
go. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Cody. You were saying about Rick rolling. Yeah. <laughs> no. Like I, I've been Rick rolled enough times that now I love that song. I agree. I, I have agree. it on my yep. playlist. Yep. No? Yeah. It's a hot jam. It is. I actually, I will, I will finish listening to the song when I'm Rick rolled successfully. Yeah. yeah. I mean, obviously, it's turned it's into a pleasant past, surprise. So it's not yeah. as incessant as it once was. But right. Yeah. You sort of think, you know, it would have been nice if I actually. If that link was an honest link and it took me somewhere that I was interested in, but this is this will do. This yeah, is nice. this will do. <laughs> I'll take this. This is yeah. a worthy substitute. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Have you have you dug into like the rest of Rick Astley's catalog? Or? No. All right. Didn't he have a, see, he had a new song that was at least <laughs> internet popular recently, right? Really? Yeah, huh. I think it was sort of gospely. Yeah, I was going to say I think it was kind of gospely. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, it was a uh, it was a spiritual. It was nice. Yeah, it was nice. Yeah, I'll probably have to listen to that. Yeah, go go Many check times. out what Rick Astley's doing these <laughs> yeah. days. Mm-hmm. He's still at it out there. Yeah, mm-hmm. I but, mean, uh, yeah, you get famous like that, you right. gotta capitalize yep. on it. Yep, still Astling, <laughs> Astling, Astling. Mm. Yep. No. Anyways, what were you gonna <laughs> say, Cody? Yeah, well, so that that's all kind of uh, goes around to saying um, when I when I immerse myself in the media that the their target demographic is interested in. Okay, I I can usually easily start to enjoy it myself. Um, which uh, which I'm glad that that's something I'm able to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's uh, yeah, that's always the first step, and then and then after that you sort of it gets a lot easier because then you start to see what they're talking about um, when they make specific requests and specific asks. Mm, interesting. And uh, yeah, and then and then it all goes a lot smoother because you're in you're in their headspace. You immersed yeah. yourself in their context, basically. Yep. Yep. Very cool. I sometimes feel like it's tricky to, there's like the Venn diagram of three circles. One's our expertise of art that we think is good. Right. And then there's the user, the art that they would like to see in a game. Mm-hmm. And then there's a client mm-hmm. who also has an opinion about what the art should look like. And it is sometimes tricky to find <laughs> that little triangle shaped wedge that's all three of those circles overlapping at once. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, yeah, it's it's tough. It's a lot of conversation. It's a lot of communication. Yeah. Sometimes it's a lot of research, and it's yeah, it's a it's a river of it's a with rapids where you're you're avoiding bad taste. Yeah, because so the bad taste is like rocks in this yeah scenario. Yeah, yeah. and just aggressive fish, very aggressive fish. All right, I like that metaphor. Yeah, yeah, that's really good. Mm-hmm. Bucolic. <laughs> uh, Man, um, we got some hot words on this podcast today. It's true. It is true that none of them are contronyms, though. So. Not yet. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 not at ever. <laughs> not ever. No more contronyms. Um. So, uh, let's see. Um, I have one more question for you, and then we're gonna wrap it up. How do you start when you? create characters and worlds for a game? How do you infuse them with personality? Perhaps mm-hmm. perhaps you use you know, your aesthetic talents, perhaps you use your voice acting talents, <laughs> which are significant. 
Well, you're starting to make me blush, Brandon. <laughs> so good every time. Oh, that's that's Strawn. Yeah, in case anyone's wondering, yep. that was the voice of Strawn. Sometimes the Highlands just come out to me, <laughs> and I find myself frolicking through the heather on the hills, <laughs> riding Nessie into the sunset. It's just, it's un. I, it's unbelievable. It, kind of, it goes into the gentle, <laughs> gentle. It starts out powerful, and then it it comes back down here to uh, let, let I, you know that everything will be okay. I just want it you will. to like read me poetry by Seamus Heaney. <laughs> 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 just read all of Beowulf to me in that voice. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know if uh, Beowulf's. You know, it gets a little. I mean. It's a little bit of a downer, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> Beowulf, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. Beowulf is a bummer, yeah, right? but it's a heroic bummer, yeah. yeah. But yeah, to get uh, yeah, anyways, to get back to your question, <laughs> um, I um, it it honestly again, it starts from what the trying to trying to figure out what the client really is looking for, um, and then working with the designer to make sure that the character will match with whatever the gameplay is going to be um and then from that we sort of s- suss out a narrative and a backstory mm-hmm. um and then uh you know if if chen is free maybe <laughs> i'll see i'll tell tell her to draw something <laughs> and uh magic always comes out that's yep, as, that's as good secret. With all yeah. the il- illustrators yeah um, it's true and uh yeah so that's and then we sort of go from there, just getting that first sketch down that we can iterate on and show the client quickly so that if we're going on in the wrong direction, we know that sooner rather than later. Cool. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned magic just because from my perspective, the illustrators do magic. Oh, like, uh, yeah. Unbelievable. You know, the thing, the things that they create, uh, it's definitely, you know, it's one of my most a restorative practice I have here at <laughs> Fellman as I like walking around just looking at what illustrators mm-hmm. are drawing. It always yep. makes me feel super good. I mean, just yeah. looking at whiteboards and meetings. Oh, yeah. Just, yep. It's just stunning. Yeah, yeah. I think the parlor right now, the, the parlor meeting room, the whiteboard in there is covered with like extremely muscular oh, beavers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like these hunks, these yeah. hunk yeah. beavers. Yeah. <laughs> who are like working hard. Yeah, and, just tearing trees yeah. down. Yep. Building dams. That's probably, I remember Chenya worked on hunky cats for quite some time. <laughs> yeah. So I'm willing to wager that might be at least partially her work. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. definitely, yeah, okay. yeah, you yeah. can tell. <laughs> yeah. Love it. Yeah. So um, I have one final segment mm. for today's show. I'm ready. I need to stump Norton. We are now two for two. Yep, factor fiction time. Factor fabrication time. Damn it! You just got the name wrong and you, again. Uh, and and you're talking about the dams that those muc- muscular beavers were building. That's there. right. That's right. <laughs> yes. Beavers build a dam. Um, that's what I told them. I told them, damn it. <laughs> exactly. And and, and that's got, what happened. And they got to work. Yes. At stunning speed. So, I'm going to pummel you with details today. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um. So the theme of today's fact or fabrication is voice acting. Okay. What uh, readers uh, don't know currently is that well, I think we're tied. I am two and two right now. Yeah. They know that as of about 30 seconds ago. Oh, sorry. <laughs> but they do know it. Yeah. Yes. And this is it. I mean, this will determine basically 
the competitive landscape for the rest of the season. Yep. Whoever takes the advantage right. here yeah, well, is going I'd to be, be punching down. <laughs> yes, will I be uh, attempting to salvage a wrecked record or just holding on to a lead from yeah. here on out? Yeah, right. Or will I be trying to bewitch you from a place of, of failure? Mm-hmm. Um, so, without any further ado, we're talking about voice actors today, voice specifically actors. Billy West and Nancy Cartwright. Two okay. very famous voice actors. So, fact number one. Billy West, who is famous for doing the voices of Doug Funny of the show Doug, and Philip J. Fry, Dr. Zoidberg, and Doc- and Professor Farnsworth, and Zap Brannigan on Futurama. Wow. Um, was no sm- most known for his impression of Mo Howard from The Three Stooges when he got his start on The Howard Stern Show. That's fact number one. Okay. (laughs) Go on. (laughs) All right. Uh, Fact number two. In 1976, Uh Nancy Cartwright, who is famously the voice of Bart Simpson, Ralph Wiggum, and Nelson on The Simpsons, among others, persuaded Dawes Butler, known for voicing characters such as Huckleberry Hound, Snagglepuss, Elroy Jetson, and Yogi Bear... (laughs) to be her mentor by leaving a message on his answering machine in a cockney accent that's fact number two okay all right these are uh, giving you two labyrinths (laughs) yeah these are tough (laughs) i guess it's technically possible that the fabrication could be just one of those early characters and then the rattling off of what people did (laughs) which would be you never know where you're gonna find which would be really insidious (laughs) um all right, so my first piece of thinking about it is like, who does an impression of Mo Howard? I mean, that's not a even if it's a good impression, is that a, it's not a very impressive impression. He had like a, a kind of ornery voice. Mm. He would have to if, if you were paired up with a curly, then I could see that being of note. Yeah, but like an impression of Mo Howard seems not like a, a real way to make your name <laughs> to me uh, but then I guess also similarly a Cockney accent is uh, well actually no that's not fair I think a good Cockney accent is probably hard it's it's certainly a, an accent that is not hard to do very badly yeah huh hmm interesting well I think I think I'm going to... Well, okay, so the last time I said I'm going to go with my gut, that was my undoing. <laughs> um, but I just feel like a Mo Howard impression on the Howard Stern show is not a vehicle for future success. Uh, uh, I could be wrong, but that just seems like a weird piece of, weird piece of reality. So I'm going to say that first one is the fabrication. <sighs> That's really unfortunate because you're correct. Yay! <laughs> not only are you correct, you're correct about the specific details. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually Larry Fine. You have he, entered my I, web. <laughs> I did not anticipate your knowledge of the Stooges. <laughs> that's, that's what got me. I did not anticipate that you would know specifically the difference between a Mo Howard and a Larry Fine impression. Yeah. Well, well, I, I mean, I was, I to be honest, I was more banking on the idea that Curly is the interesting impression. Well, he did. It wasn't Curly, it was right? Larry. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. But so I was. I wouldn't know the difference, honestly. I don't know them. Like, I couldn't identify. I couldn't point out which Stooge is which. I just know 
Well, Curly is like the nyuk, 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 you know, the, the high pitched jabber jaw. Was it also based on Curly? <laughs> no? No. Wow. This is, yeah, wow. it's lost on me. Uh, and then, the yeah, Mo Howard had the, you know, the black hair bowl cut and just kind of a, a barked an angry voice all the time. Oh, mm. okay. Yeah. yeah. And then mm. Larry, uh, was it like, yeah, the intermediate in between, I think. Yeah. So his impression of Larry is is the thing he was known for. Yeah, that is also surprising. All right. Yeah, that actually, that would have been a very... If I had said that, then they both would have been true. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. If you get to that point... I am I'm considering it at yeah. some point, just both You're of like, them They're both false. true. <laughs> yeah. Or they're both false. <laughs> I think I get that. that yeah, that would be, that'd be some... The, Dirty deeds. The game itself is a fabrication. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, I'm defeated. All right. Three and, now, and two. Yes, so the, the erosion is continuing yeah. apace. Um, and with that, we will close off today's show. So thanks, everybody. Awesome. See you next week. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Cooney, for coming by. And thanks, Cooney. Thanks for having me. Telling us about the Highlands. I will <laughs> 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 <I'll> be back. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Filament Games podcast. If you'd like to hear more about games, game-based learning, and what goes on inside our studio, subscribe today on iTunes or Stitcher.